everybody welcome back to the upside swings draft podcast the podcast with the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce Hendricks, joined as always by stone hansen and the next in our series of, of wonderful guests that we've had it's been such an amazing experience and uh we get to talk to another one one of one of the best to do it um yosef of thunder film room uh yosef how you doing i'm good thank you guys for having me i'm actually really excited yeah of course uh I, I honestly think we're just as excited, if not more so, because uh, this Thunder draft is is wild. Um, but before we dive into it, Stone, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time saying how I'm doing, though, because I'm really excited to get into uh, all these different picks that Thunder have because there's a ton. Yeah, for sure. So before we dive into anything, I'm just going to lay it down really quickly. So the Oklahoma City Thunder have the sixth pick, the 16th pick, the 18th pick, the 34th pick, the 36th pick, and the 55th pick in this upcoming draft. Um, two of them belong to the Thunder, uh, and then the other four do not, or they they belong to them, but they are not the Thunder's original picks. Um, and uh, yeah, Sam Presti is a genius, um, and that's, that's all I have to say about that. Um, and then they're also just, I mean, they're a fascinating roster to uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, one of the most electric players in the league to watch. Um, no one dribbles like him. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's the best ball handler in the league, but no one dribbles like him. Um, no one runs a pick and roll like he does. Uh, Alexei Pukasevsky, uh, my number two guy in last year's draft class, is uh, awesome. <laughs> Darius Baisley. Um, no more Moses Brown, Kemble Walker instead, I suppose. Uh, just a lot of interesting guys. Uh, Yosef, I'm going to throw it over to you. It, it, the concept of fit doesn't really make any sense uh, with, with the Thunder. But if you were to think of this roster long term, what are some pieces they really need uh, to, to go from a, a good team with a lot of assets to a future championship level team? I think you'll definitely have to draft a center in this year's draft. Um, as of right now, it's literally nobody unless they bring back Tony Bradley, which Tony Bradley was honestly no different than Moses Brown that second half of the season. Um, I think you probably need a power forward too. I love Bays. I was actually super high on him like coming into this season. Um, and I don't really, I don't really care about fit right now, but in terms of him with like Shay and Lou, it was just always super uncomfortable when you would watch them in the starting lineup. Bays was very much like sitting in the corner. Um, and it was like, he would just wait for his turn pretty much. Um, and then honestly, just someone who can, this is a vague term, but just like an actual bucket getter, like someone off the bench, who can just score lights out you know I don't think the bench really has that even in the prospects right now um I love Teo but he's just so wired to make the smart basketball play that he rarely ever shoots the ball yeah, yeah. go ahead Stone that, that's something I um I'm a big fan of with Teo is he is one of those high IQ type guys who uh, is always going to make the right play but not necessarily um the play that the Thunder need in that moment in terms of, of being an actual scorer, uh, but which is something he actually did struggle with, to be fair, his rookie year. And I think he knew that, uh, which is a big reason why he didn't shoot as much. Um, hopefully, though, you know, as, as he progresses and moves on, he gets a little bit more comfortable with this shot and 
uh, is able to be a little bit more efficient. Yeah, and you know, you bring up an interesting, uh, an interesting need set there as sort of a front court. Um, and and I kind of agree with you, especially because I view Poku as a three in the future, which might be wild. I you know. No, what, I do too. I agree. What is what is a three or a four when you're Alexei Pokusevsky? It doesn't matter. Um, but sort of as like a stereotypical archetypes, he's more of a three to me. Um, I do like Basley a lot, and I still like Basley a lot. And that's something we're gonna jump around here, um, but we're just gonna do it off the cuff. I'm feeling it. You you've mentioned Lou Dort, um, and Lou Dort is fascinating to me uh, because his greatest utility is not on a team like the thunder, right? Like, like despite his young age, his, the best thing he does helps the best teams in the league, not necessarily the thunder. Um, do you think Lou Dort is long for the thunder or do you think they will take advantage of that contract, that, that very specialized skill set, and, and trade him and then elevate Baisley as more of the, the two, you know, the one B, to uh, Shea Gildas Alexander's 1A? Based off how the lottery went, I think there's a very realistic chance where if they want to trade up, lose like the only guy with real, real value um, with plus obviously draft picks. Other than that, it's it's difficult because as you said, the way his skill set is like, I wish you could give players like how they do in soccer where someone goes on loan, like that would have been perfect for the Thunder this season. Because in reality, you're not really maximizing Lou. But I think as of right now, I think he's probably like the second untouchable to Shea. Like he's not untouchable, but if like, you know what I'm trying to say, like in mm-hmm. terms of most value, uh, I think the biggest thing for him really is in the next year, if the team like, cause I don't think they're going to actively tank this season. I think they'll just be organically very, very bad. And if say next year lottery, once again, doesn't go good for us. I think that's when there's a very realistic chance that he gets moved because the way his contract was worked out too, since they picked up both of his final two years, he won't even be a restricted free agent whenever it's done. So they're kind of on a timeline already. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. And and Dort is someone who we brought up in past episodes of this series as potential trade as a potential trade piece. And just because I see him more as someone who you know like if i'm if i'm the the nets right now oh i would kill for a loot door <laughs> super cost controlled not expensive uh, elite perimeter defender um uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves uh for right now what we have is is the sixth pick the 16th pick and on and on and on so let's focus down to that sixth pick because I think there is a an above 50% chance they stay there just because the top five is seen as so solidified that it's going to be pretty hard to move up. And the Thunder are not really at a place where moving back makes any sense. So, who, Yosef, who are some guys for you that you think are really in play for the Thunder there at six? I think it's going to come down to Kaminga or Barnes. Um, my biggest fear is Orlando pretty much you know, throwing smoke out there that they're going to take Barnes and it's going to cost like, okay, see a pick or two just to move up one spot. Cause I think, and Ron or John Hollander talked about this, like they were supposedly disappointed. They didn't get three because of how much they wanted Barnes. Um, but I wouldn't be upset at all about coming. I've been a coming guy most of this process. Um, and I think when it comes to Thunder's development team, I think it's probably the best for coming to go here or Toronto and Toronto is not really in the question. Um, so but I mean, say if 
outside of those two, I'm Moses Moody seventh on my, like on my big board. I, I think his game just translates so well to the NBA and it would translate so well on the thunder. And I think Shea is one of the best driving kick guys in the league and just being able to kick it out to Moses Moody would, it would be so pretty, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, that's like team all aesthetically pleasing there <laughs> with Moody and Shea. Their games are so so smooth and fun to watch. Um, yeah, I, I do think they keep this pick, at, like Bryce said, at, at pick six. Um, and, and Scotty Barnes at this point to me seems like the most likely. Uh, I just – I feel confident, like, that the Magic take Kaminga just because all along pretty much, uh, at least by the mainstream media, he's been sort of regarded as the – the fifth guy in this five pick draft, if you will. Um, and he seems like just the exact sort of guy the Magic would like. So does Scotty Barnes, but um, just because of the pedigree that Kaminga seems to have amongst the, the mainstream at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kaminga go fifth uh, and then inevitably Scotty Barnes at sixth. Um, that said, though, <laughs> so now we get to sort of the, the more interesting, I guess you could say, uh, portion of the Thunders draft where they have 16, 18, uh, a couple early seconds, and then the far late 55. But um, with 16 and 18, uh, what's the percentage, like the likelihood you think they make uh, one or, or both of those picks even? Um, and if not, what sort of packages do you see them moving? Because I do think that it's pretty unlikely they're going to keep all six picks here. They're going to have to consolidate at some point. No, I agree. I think as we were talking about before the pod, like I think it's almost almost a guarantee where either 16 or 18 will get packaged with one of those early seconds to move up, even if it's just three spots to like 13, 12. I think they're gonna take Sangoon. Like I think that's I wouldn't be surprised if they even took him at six. Like I'm not that's like it would be the most thunder thing in Sam Presti thing to do right there. Um the only fear with him for me is like lateral. Well, he can move well laterally, just more defensively. You know, I don't know if he's a guy who can, you can play in the playoffs after what we've seen this past uh, season, but I think most likely that scenario, um, the Steven Adams scenario, I, there was, I just read somewhere that like, there's some way they can make it work. Um, some people have thrown out to take Bledsoe's contract, but the Pelicans were reportedly willing to give up two firsts just to get off of uh, Bledsoe's contract at the deadline and no one wanted it. So like, I just don't see a scenario there where you're giving up just to move up eight spots You're taking him and you're probably going to have to buy him out. Um, but I definitely think like, I wouldn't be surprised if they get up to 11, 12 spot. I think Indiana has 13. Um, wouldn't be surprised there. Maybe work out a deal with golden state as well. Uh, I, I really don't know what their main objective is here. I think they're going to go for the high upside guys, no matter what. Um, and Kai Jones comes to mind there in that middle range. I think that's a guy who just, you know, he's whenever people say, Oh, they've shown flashes. I think he's the definition of that. Like he's really shown some flashes. You're like, Oh my goodness. Like if you can get this guy in a real developmental track, he just started playing basketball not that long ago. Like he could really be a star or he could just be one of the other high uh, athletic guys that fizzle out in the league. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I want to stone, I kind of wanted to break down with you just really quickly. Like, what do you think of say, say they take Scotty and Sengun. What do you think of, of that front court um, sort of being paired with, with what the Thunder have? Um, 
So I think you and me have notably been lower on Singoon than, than most people. Um, and, and a lot of that does boil down for me, at least, um, like Joseph was saying, defensively. I, I think he, like, we've already kind of beat this horse, but in terms of a, a player who is so polished and so skilled, but I just don't see what those skills translate to the NBA because so much of his game is predicated within the post and he's such a finesse player and so skilled. Uh, but what kind of usage is he going to really get in the NBA with the sort of post touches and possessions? Um, and how much does that benefit and elevate your team? I think if there is a place to do it, it would be the Thunder because they have the sort of usage, especially in the front court, to go around to make that sort of a viable option for them. Um, but in the long term, I'm not entirely sure I would feel super, super comfortable putting that much offense on a post predicated player like that. Um, and paired with Scotty, I, I really like Scotty. I like what he brings to the game uh, defensively. Obviously, you know, we can go on and on about how he's able to switch, hopefully eventually one through five and um, be sort of a difference maker on that end, uh, a real positive. And then the, the playmaking as a forward, um, I don't think he'll necessarily be like a point forward or anything, uh, but, but just being able to make the smart passes and things like that um, sort of out of position is something that really uh, can, can be very valuable to a team. Um, but that said, you're really banking on both Sangoon and Scotty Barnes to develop as shooters, uh, which both have major questions about, um, especially Barnes, who, who has all the mechanics, but uh, in terms of touch and all the other indicators we generally look at, it's just not there for him. Um, so, so taking two guys that high who have um, pretty valid shooting concerns is something I think I would be a little weary of just because in today's NBA, having two sort of non-spacers is, is a concern for me. Um, so that, that would be sort of my, my breakdown of how I view those two picks. Yeah, I, I second everything you say there. And then uh, I threw that one on you just so I could uh, I could talk about Kai Jones on the Thunder. Um, <laughs> so, so thanks for falling on that sword for me because uh, Kai Jones on the Thunder is, is maybe my dream fit in this class. Uh, I mean, him and Alexei together is, is wild. Um, but Kai Jones just offers so many... He's that he is like the perfect in my mind as an evaluator and others don't see it this way and that's fine. But that's how I see he is the perfect consolation prize for not getting into the top five. You know, the Thunder could have had two top five picks in this draft. They ended up with none. Uh, Kai Jones is the best bet outside of that, uh, that top five, the consensus top five to be a top five talent in this class, in my opinion. Um, you know, Yosef mentioned that he's, he's a lot of flashes and those flashes are so intriguing as a shooter with some movement as a ball handler. Um, and he's six eleven, and, and, and moves like almost no other six eleven person on the planet. And that's, that's the sort of rare talent I think matters. Um, and, and, uh, he, he would just be awesome next to Alexei. That is like, that is like a 2k team right there. That is like, I would, if that happens, I will only play as the Thunder in 2K. I don't even play 2K, but that's all I'll do. Um, but that that's that's sort of interesting. They have so many paths to go with this. Um, you know, so I'm going to throw it back to you. Uh, as a Thunder fan, 
what are some kind of like worst case scenarios here, whether it's, whether it's a horrible trade they can make or players that, that they'll end up taking that you really don't want them to take. Like, what are some really rough situations that, that you think the thunder might fall into here? Well, whenever I saw this, whenever Stone sent me this, I, first thing I thought of, like, I think we've already hit the worst case scenario with like not getting a top five pick. Um, but I honestly think like worst case scenario would really be them like taking someone like Sangun at six. Like it's something Sam Presti's done with like when he took Russ at four, like it's, they have a track record of taking just, if it's their guy, they're going to take him that high. And they very, I think only, I can only remember really once that they've traded down and that was with Memphis to take base. And I think that was just one spot. Um, so I would really say that's probably worst case scenario. Um, and probably just, I, I, there aren't really much, honestly, because I've told people this, especially in the last draft, like we're playing with like, with the lottery pretty much where they're going to take the highest upside guy every time Uh, the main goal from everything like Sam Presti has said in his press conferences is like, they want the high upside guys. That's why they traded two first rounders for Poku. Like they want the guy that can be a pair with Shea. Cause right now, other than Poku, like when you look at it potential wise on the team, there's no one else really there. Um, And I think the biggest problem for them right now is probably just backlash of the fans because the organization, like, when media members like that cover the team talk about it, like they know how important it is to like have a good basketball team in Oklahoma city. But the problem with that is, is like fans for years complained about being a first round out every year. And then just the one year of tanking, like last night I had like a six year old man in my mentions, like yelling at me about the thunder not being good next year. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is probably them not like going to that peer pressure like you see in some bigger markets like New York, you know, where like they just want to make the playoffs. They just want to be good. Like everything the organization has said, ownership has backed Presti up. Like their goal is to like try to redo what they did the first time because they kind of know they kind of messed it up and just with some bad luck, you know. So I'd probably say the worst case scenario would just be taking guys that just don't have super high ceilings. Like that's why if like say if coming like in an alternate reality, like Kaminga and Barnes are both there. Like I would take Kaminga strictly because of his upside. Um, I think it's just one of those things where you have to gamble and one eventually one will hit if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you take enough swings at the bat, you know, hopefully you'll hit the proverbial home run. Um, and I think that's sort of what Presti's trying to do with all these picks that he has. Um, but at a certain point, he is going to have to consolidate all those. Uh, the, the roster, unfortunately, just is not big enough to to take this many swings. Um, but so before we get into sort of trades that involve these picks, um, what uh, one thing I wanted to bring up for you was obviously he just made the uh, Kemba Walker trade. Um, and in the past like season or two, we've seen how he takes uh, Sam Presti likes to take these players that are sort of undervalued and then sort of rebuild them up a little bit, rebuild their value and then squeeze another first round pick out of them at, at the next deadline uh, and just keep that ball rolling. But is there, um, do, do you think he goes that route again with Kemba here? Or do you think that by the season starts uh, Kemba's in another uniform? When the trade happened, I was very confident that Kemba would be wearing a Thunder Jersey this season. 
Um, but just based off some reports and I don't really take much reports. Like I don't believe a lot of them if it's not from like Woj or Shams, but like this one got Yahoo sports posted it, CBS sports posted it too. And like the report from, I forgot it was a New York based, uh, news company. And they were like, a trade is imminent to happen. I think the odds are like, it's going to happen with Kemba. Um, even though I do think if they put Kemba in a Thunder jersey, like I definitely think you could restore his value to where you don't have. I mean, his value is so bad. Boston essentially gave up the 16th pick just to get Al Horford, who I think Al was very much like, I don't think he's as bad as everyone has said this past year, um, but there's no way you give up a first in that trade, you know? Um, so I think that just shows us how bad Kemba's contract and value is right now around the league. Um I'm really intrigued. I was talking with, uh, I forgot the guy's name, uh, Tim McDrain. You know that the B-Ball Index, you guys know oh, that yeah. website? Yeah. yeah the, I was talking to one of their like founders and it was pretty much like trying to discuss like a Kimba trade to LA because I think that's a realistic scenario, but I just don't think like to make the salaries match, they would have to give up KCP and Kuz. And I just think that that's way too much value in itself right there for Kimba. Yeah, like Dallas is probably the most realistic scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, um, as a Lakers fan, I actually wouldn't mind that trade just because I don't like Kuzma anymore. Uh, I think most of us are pretty sick of him. But uh, I think, yeah, Kemba, it Kemba's interesting because um, it Presti's track record kind of shows how he likes to rekindle these guys, um, but also you have to get to a point where you give up on, on this whole pick train and, and start accumulating like actual players and guys for your team, because you can't just keep taking picks forever. Right. Like we saw yeah. with Danny Ainge eventually um, he didn't consolidate those picks and ended up having to make some poor decisions that didn't lead to maximizing their value. Um, and I think Presti's too smart to let that happen. Presti's um, like a mad scientist. He's a genius really. Um, so I think he will make the most of those picks. Uh, but um, to get sort of back to the draft, um, like you were saying, he, he is a guy who will take his guy no matter what. He, Presti is predictable in some ways in, in certain players that he likes to draft and things like that, uh, and also very unpredictable in others. You never know what kind of trade or what he's got up his sleeve uh, come draft night. So what – trades or scenarios do you think they they make with these picks to sort of consolidate best they can because um 16 and 18 there's still going to be value plays there there's still players uh this is a relatively deep draft maybe they can get another couple swings um but obviously they're not going to take six guys uh so pairing those with Kemba or do you think it's um is there a scenario you think where like 16 18 uh, and then like 36, I think they have like packaging all those together and trying to move up to another like uh, lottery pick. Is that something viable, you think? Yeah, I definitely think you could honestly package 16, 18 and 34, 36 to really move up like to 10 or nine even. Um, supposedly they gave, according to Chad Ford, they gave out a Sam Presti's known for like giving his draft promises like he promised Cameron Payne, supposedly he gave KP a promise, uh, gave Terrence Poku. Ferguson a promise. Yeah, Poku a promise. Like we, I think last year was the first time ever where like everyone heading in, I was like, oh, we're drafting Poku for sure. Like that was a, a done deal. Um, and supposedly they gave Isaiah Jackson a promise. 
Um, so like, let's say if they trade up and they don't get Sangoon, I think Isaiah Jackson's a very realistic scenario. Um, Cam Thomas has been linked a lot to OKC as well. So in a scenario where they, they choose to stay at either one of those 16 or 18, but trade the other, I think that's a realistic scenario with one of those later team picks. Um, I'm very intrigued with them trading up because like the old thunder stereotype was long athletic wings who couldn't shoot. Um, and now it's, they've seemed to be going more towards high field guys, uh, Teo, for example. And even though Poku's, uh, he's a roller coaster ride at times. He, he's a, he has a pretty high feel for the game. You can like tell what he's trying to do when he tries them. Uh, so I think for that reason, like I'm very intrigued with Josh Giddy on the team. Uh, that's a guy I'm really high on just because he just seems like a genius when he's playing. Um, but other than that, like I, my biggest worry or not worry, but like wonder is really how high can they really trade up? Because we see like this draft is just so talented. And also like, we know golden state doesn't have interest in trading back just for picks. They want talent now. So they're going to package Wiseman. Like, I don't know how high we can, I think as of right now, 10 is probably the most realistic scenario. Um, and in that scenario, like I would do anything in my power if we could just get Moses Moody on the team. If we could get Moses, I think like fit wise, it's perfect. Um, and I, but it's it's difficult because I I can assure you, Poku starting this year. Like I, I'd bet a hundred bucks on it. Um, and then you guys brought it up earlier with the two uh, front court guys. Like having two non shooters, Poku I think is eventually going to be able to shoot. I think his strength is a big reason as why he can't right now. So who knows how it'll look next season. Plus with Lou, like that spacing is even worse than it was this past season. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see what route they go, but I think it's like, there's, I've got it down to around like five to seven guys. I think like they have a real good chance of picking. Like, I don't think Keon Johnson or those guys will be here. Like, I think it's very much like Isaiah Jackson, Cam Thomas, uh, Sangoon. I'd bet money Sangoon's going to be in a Thunder jersey. Um, <laughs> And Scotty Barnes, like those are like some of the guys that I for sure think like the odds are pretty high that they'll pick, take at least two, one or two of those guys. Yeah, you're, you're certainly more plugged in than us. Um, and this is a big reason why we like doing these guest pods, because uh, people like yourself are, are so much more plugged into these teams to where we can kind of get that insight on, on directions they may go with these picks. Um, but I'll, I'll throw it over to Bryce here. Um, obviously they're going to try and package as many of these picks as they can to, to consolidate a bit. Um, but with any of those second rounders, uh, I know there's some guys we've discussed. Is there any, uh, like, like draft and stash type guys that you like for the thunder here? Because if Presti can't find the sort of value he's looking for, maybe there's a chance he just holds on to one or two of these seconds and, and takes some draft and stash guys. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing I'll point out is that don't be surprised if they draft Sengun and he's actually not in the Thunder jersey next year. I think if a team like the Thunder drafts Sengun, there is about a 50% chance he stays in Turkey for one more season. Um, certain teams are going to have a like a bit more incentive to bring him over, but a team like the Thunder that already have so many filled roster spots, especially if they can't get off of Kemba, um, I think they might end up uh, keeping Sengun in Turkey for one more season. Um, but there are some really other uh, interesting uh, stash guys they can take uh, with either of the three 
uh, second round picks. And, and I assume they make one. Um, last year, they took Vic Krejci, who I didn't even have top 100. Um, <laughs> and, and, so bad. and that's not necessarily because he's bad. It's more because I think we all kind of forgot he was in the draft because he had torn his ACL and hadn't played the whole year. Um, and that was that kind of seemed like one of those like no hopers, like like when all Arnoldas Kobaka was picked by uh, or like Didi Luzada Silva, like those are stashes you're like, those are going to come over sometime. Uh, I feel like um, Krejci was a lot closer to uh, I'm blanking on his name. The Kings drafted him, I want to say with the 59th pick like two years ago, but I, I can't remember his name. Uh, maybe it was the 60th pick. Um, but anyways, there are some guys who I think are a lot less no hopers in this one. Um, a friend of the pod, Vrenz Blyenberg, uh, would be incredible in Oklahoma. He's sort of like um, he's sort of like a Poku minus all the manic energy. Um, and he doesn't you know, he, he's not quite as good. He's not quite as good of a mover as Poku, um, but he, he he's just really smart, has a really good. Uh, spatial awareness on the floor. He, he sees the floor really well, both with the ball and without it. Um, and, and if he shoots, he can be a really solid player, I think. Um, guys, we really like, we've talked about a few times, are Mario Nakic and Rokas Jokabaitis. Um, Jokabaitis is, is, is almost like the anti-Teo, where it's like Teo is wired to only make the right decision. And R- Jokabaitis, like, clearly has the right decision in his head sometimes, but he will put his head down and score. He will take a hard step back or uh, take a really contested floater. Um, Nokic is just, just a wing. We really like he shoots. He, he dribbles, he passes. Um, I I'm shocked. He's not higher on a lot of boards. Um, and there's some other, like even um, guys who played in the NCAA who could get stashed because they have dual citizenship. Um, those are guys like Luka Garza, uh, Sandro Mamukilashvili, um, guys like that. Um, those those would be the main guys I would look towards. Maybe like an Ariel Hakporti, um, you know, a Philip Petrosev, if they really wanted to kind of take guys I'm a lot lower on, uh, but who who have produced at, at high levels in Europe. Um, but those are sort of the guys I'd be looking at. And I think one to really keep an eye on is friends. Um, I think the Thunder are the type of organization that would pick him uh just because they've seen to like like yosef mentioned they they seem to that to be valuing sort of high feel with interesting bodies like i think that's why they're so high on scotty is because scotty isn't an elite athlete he's super long and he's super smart and that combination is what they like it's not just really smart or really uh athletic it's sort of they're kind of looking for a blend even teo you know a six five for a point guard and he and he plays a legitimate point guard. He runs a good pick and roll. Um, so I think like a Vrenz could make a lot of sense there. Uh, but those are kind of the guys I'd be looking at in that range. Uh, Stone, feel free to correct me if you think I missed on anyone. Uh, no, that's pretty much all of them that I would have said too. Uh, <laughs> while you were talking, I actually looked up because I knew it was going to bug me if I couldn't figure out the player you were talking about, the Kings took. So I just have to get off my check. I would, uh, get off my chest. It was Vanya uh Marinkovic. oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah so i actually had never watched him play so <laughs> that's not somebody i had on my radar i um, believe that was a homer pick because i think vlade was still gm and from what i heard there was some it's it's almost like Dervita servitas like like yeah. their owner or, or gm like has ties to his agent so like like it's like a father-son thing so i think it's yeah, similar it's vlade. all a, 
yeah yeah it's, it's sort boys. of a little, yeah friendship game there um so the the thunder do have a lot of interesting young guys already on their roster without these picks um you can go down the list obviously they just moved moses brown but they have guys like isaiah roby um kenrich williams they have a lot of guys like that are there any of those guys that you see that the thunder kind of may think might be long-term plays for them as sort of high-end role players or do you think all of those guys are, are touchable and movable I think everyone's movable at a price, like especially guys like Ty Jerome or Isaiah Roby. One weird guy that they just weirdly overvalue and love is Kenrich Williams. Like, I don't think they're going to move Kenrich Williams anything for anything less than a first round pick. And even then, I don't know if they would do it. Like, they value everything he brings to like the locker room and the court, um, which I respect. But I, at the same time, I think right now, like, when you look at Kenrich Williams, the numbers this past year compared to his last year in New Orleans, like sell high right now. Like the guy, <laughs> the guy shot out of his mind this past season. Um, but other than that, I honestly think like every it's, it sucks because like whenever people say it's a business, because like we're, we are dealing with real people and especially like with the thunder, like all these guys like are college age kids, like they're legit kids. Um, but like Presti's like shown, like even in the past, like, no matter how like big and how strong of a relationship he has with players, like if it's best for the organization, the team, like he's going to do it. Uh, I remember young thunder U days, like whenever he traded Jeff green for Kendrick Perkins, like he got emotional at the press conference when he talked about Jeff green. Um, so it's, it sucks. Like I know a couple of days ago, big rumors went around about like Shea being available or like them looking to move him. Like that's, I, like during the season, I thought like, oh, it might be a real conversation. But like based off what he showed this past year, I think Shea is legit the only untouchable on the team. And Poku, I I hate talking about potential because it's like it's such a hypothetical thing. But like Poku's the one guy who just throws my like potential meter off because like <laughs> Poku, if Poku hits like if that small percent, like 0.001% chance of him like fully maximizing his ceiling, like he's going to be amazing. And it's just one of those things where like, you don't want to be like, you don't want to trade him away. And he actually does hit if you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think Presti showed how much he does value him in the last draft, taking him much higher than I think most people perceived his draft range to be uh, and giving him that promise. So I think Presti has somewhat still of an uh, value attachment and assessment of of Poku. Um, And I think, Presti is one of those smart guys, smart GMs who realizes that um, obviously, you know, these guys are people and having that emotional connection uh, with your players and and teammates uh, all get along or whatever. Um, But it is ultimately at the end of the day, a business. And uh, I think Ujiri and Hinky are both guys in the past that have realized that and made those tough calls and tough decisions. Uh, and at times gotten flack for it, um, like with the Kawhi, the DeRozan trade. Uh, you know, a lot of fans are not happy with that at all because of all the things DeRozan represented and did for that franchise. Um, but at the end of the day, it brought home a title for them. So you have to make these really tough decisions as a um, front office member, a GM, um, and sort of separate the emotional connection from the actual business side and standpoint of it. Uh, And ultimately, it does come back to your job, right, to job security, because if you don't make progress uh, in a fast enough timeline, then 
your job security sort of goes out the window. So you do have to show steps towards that, even if it means cutting off some of these uh, relationships and ties that they may have to the franchise. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Oh, go on. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to hit really quickly on, on Poku for, for those, and I'm sure most of, of our listeners have seen plenty of Poku, but uh, I was enamored last year. Uh, I watched almost every second of tape I could find on him. Uh, and this year too, I, I watched a ton of Thunder games. They were one of my most watched teams. Um, they used to be the Supersonics, So I have, I have a little bit of like detachment there, but uh, as a Seattle guy, um, but I, um, I, I love Poku. Uh, he, he is a legit seven foot and, and he moves, he moves with such grace and such interesting mobility. That's why I said at the top, like I, or I, I might've been before the show. I can't remember. Um, uh, I said, I, I see him more as a three long-term because he's so fluid that at that seven foot height, he's, fluid enough to take advantage of that uh defensively offensively however it may be um and if that shot comes around which i think he has really good touch it's just like yosef had mentioned he's just really skinny he doesn't generate much power from his legs he's trying to over kind of hook it with his arms um but the nba tends to be really good at developing uh physicality that's if there's one if there's one thing the nba will always develop it's it's uh players bodies it's just the it's the best weight training weight training staffs on earth um so uh, so i think he's going to get there and uh just to me he should be a pillar of this team for the future and i understand not putting all your eggs in that basket because there are still plenty of outcomes where he's barely a positive player if if a positive player at all but there are enough outcomes to me where he provides value in different ways whether it be as someone who runs a pick and roll, as someone who just, you know, guards okay and can run a fast break and space the floor, maybe even as a seven-foot movement shooter, who knows? We don't know. But he is so young and so tantalizing with that skill set. Um, and then I also want to ask you, Yosef, um, I was really impressed, like I mentioned, I watched a ton of Thunder games. I was really impressed with Mark Dagnall. Um, he, like, the team seemed consistently engaged despite being absolutely putrid. Um, <laughs> In terms, in terms of, in terms of an on-court product, they were, they were really not very good at basketball, which is fine. Um, but he seemed to keep them composed. They ran really interesting sets. They were in games they had no right to be in. And then he also, he, he got out tanked by Ty Lue in the final game of the season. And that was the best game I, I watched all year. That was the best game I watched all year to this day. <laughs> I was absolutely wild. Um, but Yosef, what have you thought of Dagnall? Like, what do you think of him as, as sort of the coach of the future for this team? Honestly, I think he, he reminds me a lot in terms of his temperament of a young Scott Brooks. Like there was plenty of times where on tape, like you saw him cussing a player out. Um, he told Poku, you F, you've effed up plenty of times. One time when Poku got mad because Teo made a mistake. Like, he's kept guys engaged. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that clip. It was maybe last five games of the season where Bay starts, like, clapping in his face, like, to get him engaged. It got, it went, it got kind of big on, like, Warriors Twitter because the Warriors fan page posted it. But in terms of sets and stuff, like, especially in the first half of the season, it was amazing. Um, I think, like, the first two weeks of the year, they were a top five, top 10 passing team in the league. Um, we've been bottom three ever since like 2012. So that was something that was really different. Um, 
but overall, like I think development wise, he's supposedly like the way players, t- the most interesting part was just the way players talked about him. Um, when he got hired, Bradley Beal posted something on his story talking about Mark all the way from his days in Florida. Uh, Chris Paul had kind words to say um, and every guy posted like happy for him. I think that says a lot whenever like you can get young guys behind you, especially when you're an inexperienced coach. Um, so I think honestly, I think he's the perfect guy to, at least until they hit, like, you know, whenever it's time for contention. And then at that point, obviously, like, the deciding factor is how the team is doing in the playoffs. And we've seen more often than not, the coach who was there for the developmental stage doesn't end up being there when the team's contending. Um, and that's kind of a tricky situation. Sometimes I think the organizations pull the plug too fast on it. Um, but as of right now, like, I couldn't have been more happy. I was a Will Weaver guy the whole time, like, during the draft process. Like, I fell in love with him. Um, and like big note was very much the, like some Thunderbeat writer called it like the boring hire, you know, he's, you Google Mark Dignall, nothing would pop up. I think there's maybe two or three interviews from uh, G League games on YouTube at the time. Like we didn't know a thing about him, uh, but he's honestly really blown me away. Like I'm, I'm very much, he's very much like Sam Presti in terms of like, their philosophy and how they look at things. So I think that's a perfect pairing for those two and hopefully it'll all work out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stone, is there anything else you want to hit on with the thunder? Uh, I think we've pretty much covered it all uh, as best we can in the the amount of time we have. Um, I mean, honestly, we could probably go on for hours with this team. It's such a fascinating team. Uh, especially with all, you know, the future assets they also have. Um, but it, it has been a blast talking to you, Yosef. Um, really enjoyed your perspective and, and giving us some insight onto uh, how the Thunder may approach this draft night. So um, thanks again for coming on. No, I appreciate you guys for having me. It was actually a lot of fun. There are many, like, draft people on Thunder Twitter, so this has been really enjoyable, honestly. Maybe I'll have to join Thunder. If if the Thunder consolidate all their assets and trade for Paolo Banchero at the top of next year's draft, I will I will join Thunder Twitter. I will officially Dude. be full bandwagon. I'll, I'll donate a kidney to make it happen. <laughs> like I am so high on him. <laughs> yeah, bring bring Chet, Poku, and Kai all in one team. <laughs> and let's just watch that play out because I'm all for these wild pass first unicorn type guys. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, for some reason I have a ton of thunder followers. I don't really know why, uh, I'm not even really that deep into thunder Twitter. Um, but hopefully they've enjoyed this episode. It's been a blast having you on again. Um, so if you have anything you want to plug, anything you're working on, uh, just let the people know where they can find you and, um, how they can reach you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at thunder film room on my new account. Um, if you want to follow slightly my personal slash, like, everything else basketball wise that doesn't have to do with the thunder. You can follow me at Yosef NBA. Um, other than that, yeah, I've had a lot of fun guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this has been awesome. Yosef is an excellent follow an excellent guy. Uh, we've, we've followed each other on Twitter for a while now, I think. And, uh, just always, always great stuff. He's, he's sending out there Uh stone. Do you want to let the people know where they can find you and, uh, what they got to do with the pod? Yeah, uh, you could follow me at report underscore court. Uh, follow the Twitter at Upside Swings. Um, and then if you guys can just rate and review and subscribe, that would be awesome. It helps us out a lot. Um, helps us reach more people. Uh, and it's really easy, really quick to do. So we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
thanks again to Yosef at Thunder Film Room at Yosef NBA. Give him a follow. He's absolutely worth it. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we get our ceiling. Thank you.